The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Chris Sheeran Show here on YesNetwork.com and also the iTunes. You can subscribe by going to iTunes, typing in Chris Sheeran Show, and then downloading it to your smart device. And when you download it to your smart device, your smart device becomes an intelligent device. Because if you have The Chris Sheeran Show on your phone, iPad, or whatever... You just made a great decision. Anyway, it's Chris Sheeran, it's Lou DiPietro, and uh, we're back for our style of uh, sports and comedy and intertwining movie lines with our trying to get our points across. Lou is uh, on a bit of a respite, not a respite, he was down in Tampa working, but at the same time, let's face it, he was out of this ridiculous weather. It's the first day of spring, and it's snowing again. Yeah, what's up with that? But, Seriously. Uh, yeah, Lou, what did you bring the snow back up from Tampa? <laughs> <laughs> well, the one day it dropped down into the 60s at night. <laughs> well, I, I, I bet you had to wear a light spring jacket. I wore pants. <laughs> Jeez. Actually, no, that's funny. Uh, funny story there is that during spring training, things are a little bit more laid back. And, you know, as beat guys or going in the clubhouse, we're allowed to, to wear shorts on hot days. Right. I never do because... As much as we're allowed to, and you no see, one needs to see your pasty white legs, right? You know, you see the other guys doing such, and and that's fine and whatever. But I, you know, being part of yes and all that, I kind of try to keep it professional, maintain a little bit of. Yeah. I don't even want to say professional because that's not fair to those guys. I mean, they're very professional. The, the beat writers, I'm not slamming right. them, but you work for us, right? So, for what know. I'm doing, and there was one day down there. Uh, I think it was Wednesday. That was so ridiculously humid and gross that I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I had to wear shorts I, I, for the first time in four years. Inside George M. Steinbrenner Field, I wore shorts, and my God, it was the world of difference. I don't think everything I, was free and easy. And all my and all my trips to Tampa, I don't even think I packed shorts. I when, don't think I could. When you're, you know, on on camera or doing whatever you're doing, like, you know, you can't, but I mean, Jack and, and Bob and Flash and Ryan and those guys, you get to wear the polo shirt at least during spring training as opposed to the, you know, the suit and tie, but. Hey, listen, there is nothing more I'd like to talk about than seeing your white legs in the clubhouse and all around George M. Steinbrenner Field, and I'm sure our fans out there would love to get a detailed view of what you look like in shorts. Yeah, in we'll put that up on the blog. But I think what they really want to know is, uh. Everything Yankees. So I am going to play, since I didn't get the chance to go down to Tampa this year, uh, and I've been blind to the Yankees other than what I've seen on Yes or read from you uh, on YesNetwork.com. So I'm going to play reporter, and I'm going to ask you some questions. So Lou DiPietro is uh, going to be the Yankee analyst for the time being on this podcast, and I'm just going to pepper him with questions. We'll put up a graphic like I'm on the K-Show, an invisible yeah. graphic. Yeah. There we go. If we were on camera. There it is. That'd be great, but we spare the people what we look like right now. I have the I have the uh, suit mullet on, which is... The suit mullet. <laughs> swishy pants on the bottom, and uh, I got my suit jacket, my dress shirt, and my tie for my Michael K. reads, and then I have the Nets tonight. So you'll have to be wearing legit pants. Yeah. Later. Yeah. No. No. Not unless our director um, wants me standing up at some point, but I highly doubt that'll happen. So, And then i got to drive home and get jeans. But just like people don't want to hear about my exploits today, right. uh, and they don't want to hear about your legs, let's talk to them about the Yankees. Okay. Maybe your wife wants to hear about your legs. But Maybe anyway. she wants to hear about the Yankees' legs, too. Who knows? That probably... 
is a better assessment of what people want to hear about. Right. Um, yeah. Well, let me start here. We all know with Capuano, mm-hmm. uh, his injury to his quad, the number five spot, just the saloon doors opened up. Wide open. Okay, so you have Esmeal Rogers, you have Chase Whitley, you have um, Adam Warren, and you have Brian Mitchell, all vying for that fifth spot in the rotation. From Now, Rogers started last night, Wednesday. Um, Thursday. Thursday. Sorry, I'm, I'm used to taping this on Thursday. <clears throat> yeah, we're a day late, just because Le- of things. Yeah, last night on Thursday. And let's just face it, he was kind of like Danny Noonan. He wasn't good. But three and a third, 66 pitches, just not what you want out of a fifth star because your bullpen is going to be taxed every fifth day. Now, yep. I'm not saying he would have given you that every day, but from what you saw down there, who do you think, and I know they like Warren maybe better in the bullpen, so with that being said, who do you think they're kind of leaning towards that fifth starter role? It's going to be one of the two, Warren or Rogers. and here's, here's where I go back and forth on this. Adam Warren is the better pitcher. He's clearly better in all facets of He's a younger guy. He's a homegrown guy. He's been a starter his whole career. He's had success in the bull. You know, he's he's done the gimmick. Four pitch four, pitcher. Four the Yankees. Four pitch pitcher. Rogers is that perfect. And I'm going to use the word stopgap. I don't necessarily mean to, but I don't have a better word. Rogers is that perfect, especially coming out of spring training. This guy's going to make four or five starts and go to the bullpen when somebody is healthy. He's that fill in stop gap, whatever you want to call it. He's that perfect type. Whereas if Warren goes four and O with a two something ERA in April, the hell do you do when Capuano comes back? I mean, like really you want that second lefty in the rotation, but Warren is looking dominant. You don't want to do the Yvonne Nova a few years ago where he, you know, finishes the season 16 and four, but in the middle of that, he gets sent down to triple a because he's the guy with options. Well, you also had lightning in a bottle with Warren out of the bullpen last year, right. a little bit like Phil Hughes. I mean, mm-hmm. he was brought along as a starter at the beginning of his career, but yep. they found that he could be electric in an inning or an inning in a third or yep. two-thirds or whatever. So Joe Girardi also has that in the back of his mind. Do I want to take that key piece out of the bullpen right. and you know, hamstring myself in that way and put Rodgers in the rotation why not here? Let me let me ask you this. Why not give it to Brian Mitchell? I mean, he has to earn it, but why not Brian Mitchell? Two reasons. Number one, the same thing I just mentioned with Ivan Nova. If he goes four and zero with a two and a half ERA, what do he do? Exactly. He's got options. Yeah. Number two, he's been pitching this spring, but he hasn't really. He's not really that well built up at this point. He's going to start again at least once. Girardi said earlier this week. Um. And, you know, he's going to get that. He'll go three or four, you know, kind of thing. He's not being built up and strung along for that spot, and neither is Whitley at this point. Okay. Whitley's piggybacking Warren today in Lakeland. Okay. They're playing now as we, as we talk. Mm-hmm. Warren's, Warren's pitching, and Whitley's piggybacking. I don't know how many innings he's going to throw. Warren should be up to about 75, 70, 75 pitches this time through because he pitched Friday, and I think he had 56 Friday against the Red Sox. Um that's one reason. The number two reason is, let's, let's face it, let's put it this way. Brian Mitchell could very well be this year's Shane Green, and that his minor league results don't overwhelm you. His numbers don't overwhelm you, but he could come up and be a very solid pitcher. So you might as well let him take that path, go down to AAA. They're going to need him in the rotation there for now. Use what you've got 
here. They've got plenty of bullpen options. Mm-hmm. How good they are depends on how you look at things, you know, how viable the bullpen can be with and, various guys in there. And, you know, Esmail Rogers is the proverbial in the best shape of his career this right. year. <laughs> and, I mean, he was very Down honest. spring training. He was very honest with Jack last night, you know, on the broadcast, talking about throwing his pitches, and he wanted to mix in his curveball. Also talked to Mo about pounding the zone, yep. and he tried that, but he just got behind. I mean, he's, he's saying and doing all the right things this spring. Mm. So with all that said, Mitchell and AAA, as opposed to Mitchell in the rotation and the other two guys in the bullpen, is probably the best option. So that's why you don't give it to Mitchell. You let him go down there and let him be your – I'll call him an eighth starter because you've got the, the top four, Capuano, Nova, whoever wins the job. So he's like eight and a half between whoever doesn't win the fifth spot and, you know, the next man up. He's kind of in between. All right, let's kick it back now to the top of the rotation. I should have started here, but I had the fifth spot on no. my mind because to, of Rogers left. To finish night. that parallel, I'll, I'll say yeah. this. Girardi said that he's going to take the best staff, and he always has said this. The best 12, yeah. The better pitcher for that spot, for whatever it is, is Adam Warren. My gut feeling says Esmeel Rogers is going to get the job because Adam Warren is more valuable in the, in bullpen, the bullpen long-term than as a four-start starter. And you have Warren who will be stretched out. You'll have Whitley who will be stretched out. You have Mitchell. You have DePaula if his shoulder's healthy. You've got enough guys to You have fallback plans. Right. So that's my thought. Okay. All right. Let's go to the top of the rotation now. Now, you know, you could watch Tanaka – you could watch Sabathia on television and form your own opinions of how they look. But I wasn't down there. Um, Tanaka pretty much looks lights out on TV. What, what did you see while you were there? And uh, what did you hear? I mean, does it feel like, you know, this is all systems go and he's ready? Well, I heard Don Sutton ask on the Braves radio broadcast uh, Wednesday. I if, saw that tweet. If Tanaka had a little tendonitis last year. So that's... That's good to know. Our research guy, Quags, big Braves little, fan. A little so I, better research, Oh, maybe. I, was, I was heckling him uh, on Wednesday. Um, here's what I saw. I saw Masahiro Tanaka throw all of his pitches. He didn't throw a lot of splits in that Thursday night game. Slider had some bite. Slider had some bite. Fastball velocity was a little down mm-hmm. from where he sat most of last year. Two-fold thing about that is, one, it's his first spring start. Second of all... Maybe he needs to dial it back a mile an hour or two to, to, to help his arm a little bit. Either way, it was effective. He threw 19 pitches, retired six batters. Braves had a pretty good lineup that Nobody day. Nobody got the ball in the air either. No, Braves had a pretty good lineup that day. He struck out a guy on a split. I think it was Freeman on the split. It was. And Gomes on a split. On a, might have been Gomes on the split and Freeman on a slider. Freeman was the slider. It was that nasty one inside. Yep. Right, yeah. So he looked good. He had to go throw 15 pitches in the bullpen mm-hmm. because he didn't get to his – Joe wasn't going to throw him out there for a third inning. Right. There's just no, in case. No sense. Uh, he got to, I believe, 42, 43, something like that um, the other day, Wednesday in, uh, in Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, again, looked pretty good. Three and two thirds this time, you know, same thing. Just kind of sent him up, sent him down. Didn't really get hit too hard at all. He looks like Masahiro Tanaka. Okay. Maybe not as dominant. He might not have 17 quality, 16 quality starts to start the year and go, you know, 12 and 3 with a two and a half ERA in the first half. But he looks like a number one starter. And he looks like not only is that elbow healthy, he's not worried about it not being healthy. And that's the more important thing because anything you do, you know, as well as I do, anything you do in terms of sports, if you're worried about getting hurt, that's when you're most susceptible to get hurt. If you're, you know, kind of coddling a knee injury playing basketball and you're kind of 
being careful about it, you're more susceptible to hurt it more trying to be careful look, than just playing your game. Look at Kobe Bryant. Right. He does, he does the Achilles. Shoulder gets hurt. Yep. You know, I've seen so many times guys who hurt a knee, their opposite ankle gets hurt or yep. their opposite knee gets hurt because they are straining so hard <laughs> to not use that. Darren Williams last year with rep- the cinnabitis yeah, in his ankles yeah. kind of messed up both of his right. legs. It's, so it, it's very psychological. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see. And, you know, th- there have been players who've said, look, there have been tears where he has tears that won't really go the full Monty for four or five years. So, so speaking of which, um, as a quote unquote beat writer, while I'm there, Mm -hmm. I, I always follow the guys, what they do, you know, the, the guys, the newspaper guys, what they do and all that. So, uh, the day before, the day I got there, they were in Kissimmee playing Houston. So I wasn't at that game. Um, but Chad Jennings, who's Mm -hmm. on hot stove from low HUD, Mm -hmm. um, Talked to Scott Baker that day. Baker started that game in Kissimmee against the Astros at Osceola County Stadium. Um, you just wanted to say that. Osceola. Uh, so he started that day, and Baker – I know Baker had Tommy John. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know about Baker's Tommy John is that he blew out his – blew out, quote-unquote, tore, first tore the ligament in his elbow or first felt whatever it was in college, and it was a decade before he blew it out to the yeah. point where he needed surgery. Right. So – you know what? Masahiro Tanaka is not under contract for the next decade. So if that same path takes its course, everybody will be fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's partial tears that turn into tears. His elbow could snap on any one pitch. He doesn't look like he's thinking about it, no. and that makes him dangerous. And that's what has to make Yankee fans a little bit more comfortable uh, when he trots out to the mound. Now, <laughs> Joe Girardi could say whatever he wants. Uh, I think he knows as well as anybody when he sends him out there. He's on eggshells just like everybody else. And, you know, Joe said uh, prior to his first start, he was glad Tanaka made the two starts last September because he'd be even more nervous last Thursday. absolutely. But now as it goes on, he gets more comfortable. And Joe even says, I can't worry about what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, you didn't see Ivan Nova needing Tommy John surgery coming out of camp last year. No. You know, you didn't expect Capuano to, to strain his quad running to first base seven pitches into a game last Wednesday. You Nova, know, just, they were looking at Nova to basically supplant Sabathia yeah. and be the number two. Yeah. Well, that shouldn't be too hard for whoever ends up as the number two this year, but I know you're getting to that, so I'll save yes. that thought. <laughs> I'll, I'll save that thought for, uh, for non-Tanaka. So gut, gut feeling. Um, and I know you can't predict injuries. I mean, that's stupid of me to ask. But so far, so good, yeah. Tanaka – that's pretty much in stone. Wouldn't wouldn't say it's not going to happen because you never know. Wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't for a couple years. But everything is going. Yeah, everything to looks the, okay. Like I said, he looks healthy and he looks like he thinks he's healthy, and that's mm-hmm. more important than looking. It's healthy. It's all about the confidence, especially yep. yeah, especially when you're in that situation. And he actually answered a question in English. Did he really? Yeah, I mean he's he's learning. I don't want to say he's learning, but like his English is improving. He's like somewhere Hideki Matsui said, stop. (laughs) He, uh, you know, somebody asked him the pitches or he understood the question. He said 18, you know, like he, Uh he knew what, like what we were asking. So he's, um, he's fun. He's a fun guy. He's horsing around a little, not horsing around, but you know, having fun in the clubhouse with the guys. His locker was on the corner and I I know you've been to Steinbrenner. Mm -hmm. So they, they blew out the wall, the back wall of the clubhouse. Where the the, shower is? No, on the right hand side. Oh, okay. They, they moved that back, so now you're not crammed in there. 
And uh, so Tanaka's locker was the last one on the left-hand wall before you go into where the, the food room and everything is back there. That I got you. Into. That's where Posada was. Yeah. yeah. And he was kind of clowning around with the back row behind next to the showers was Greg Bird, Mason Williams, uh-huh. um, Austin, like those top prospecty guys. Mm-hmm. And he was having a lot of fun with those guys. And he was sitting next to Baker and uh, Carpenter and Wilson were next to him on the on – the, he was having a lot of fun with those guys. So it's good to see that he's he's in a good mindset. This year too, so that's that's good. Who who is the third base prospect that's now a hitting coach? His, Eric Duncan. Eric Duncan. One of my favorite clubhouse stories. Before I ask you the next question, and you know, it just conjured it up as you were talking about that. It's what we do here. Phil Hughes rookie year. I was down there with Oriema, and it might not have been his rookie year, but it might have been the year after he actually made his debut. So somewhere like oh seven oh eight. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. So he's sitting, Duncan was with the big club. He had the invite and Hughes comes over and I was trying to get Duncan for an interview. Hughes comes over, sits in Duncan's locker and just the worst fart (laughs) like ever, like loud and it stunk. And Duncan just looks at him and goes, dude, what are you doing? And Hughes goes, what's wrong with you? He goes, it's going to stick to my clothes. He goes, no, it's not going to stick to your clothes. That's a rib right there. That's a rib and a half. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So that just conjured up that memory. You know, one of the things, it's funny you say it. One of the things you see, and these guys, a lot of these guys are in competition <laughs> with each other and things yeah. ramp up. One of the last days I was there, um, the catcher's lockers are on the back wall on the other side of the showers mm-hmm. was where all the catchers were. And... um one day, just sitting over there, just shooting the breeze, you know, sh- playing with grips and things like that. John Ryan Murphy, Austin Romine, Adam Warren, Chase Whitley. Two sets of guys who were competing for the same job, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Whitley might kind of be out, like I said. Mm-hmm. But at that point, two sets of guys who were theoretically competing for the same job, sitting there, like, just shooting the breeze, helping each other with things. You'd never know that Murphy and Romine were in a, quote-unquote, you know, bitter battle for the backup catcher job. Uh... I think they get it. It's a business, yeah. and they can't really – the only thing they can do to dictate the decision is their play. Right. So I don't think they're going to sit there and hate on each other. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes people don't necessarily understand that's the case. They think maybe they avoid each other or they don't try to – you know what I mean? Like they try to gain edges. But same thing, I did a story on, on the lefty relief depth in the system while I was down there. and They have depth? They have depth. <laughs> depth charge. Yeah. Um, James Pazos, Tyler Webb. Jacob Lindgren. Pazos and Webb's lockers were across from each other in that middle aisle, like, you know, in the middle of the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. And they would just sit there, and Lindgren would come over. That's and where the fart was dealt, too, by the way. And we do know that he who smelt it dealt it. So Eric Duncan's on the hook I've for said that. fart three times now. One smart fellow. He felt smart. Um, <laughs> he, uh, but those three would just sit there, and, like, they would, like, bounce a super pinky ball, try to spin mm-hmm. things. Like, they're just picking each other's brains. They're knowing they're eventually competing for the same job somewhere yeah. in the future, but mm-hmm. these guys are having fun with each other and learning. Like it's, there was a very, because they, very good atmosphere. They in that also know too that either one of them could be gone, right? In a trade, but, I mean, it's not like. But all around, there's a very good atmosphere in the clubhouse this spring, which is good. I mean, you never know how things are going to happen. Jeet's gone, you know. CC's kind of like the de facto. CC and Tex are kind of like the de facto veterans now, right? But, you know, there's a very good vibe in a clubhouse, which is cool. That's good to hear. And Andrew Bailey's an Eagles fan, which is nice. So I had someone to commiserate with about uh, DeMarco Murray. Boo. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead. All right, one guy I won't root for in the clubhouse. (laughs) 
Oh, he's from South Jersey, so. Yeah, well, he gets a pass then. Um, I have a lot of friends from college who are Eagle fans. CeCe Sabathia. Uh, we heard his name come up there in our conversation mm-hmm. a couple times, but uh, and, he, and he had his first start. You were still down there, correct, or no? For CC, I missed by a day. You missed by a day. I yep. knew it was like kind of borderline. But the sense, I, I would assume you saw him throw some sides, throw some bullpens. The last uh, the last live BP sim game, whatever you want to call it, yeah. I saw. He gave up three runs in his first outing, and you know I get so upset at people at the gym that come up to me and say, What's up with CeCe? I mean, he's supposed to be better. His knee, blah, blah, blah. He gave up three runs. And I start laughing. And they don't understand why I laugh. Why are you laughing? He <laughs> hasn't thrown in a game. In a year. Since May. And, you know, f- to quote the, the Harry Doyle, he's like, oh, the guy will be bagging groceries next exactly. week. Like, you know, it's And he's just trying to see if his knee's holding up. He's not worried about getting guys out. He's just out there. He's throwing. He that he's throwing and pitching. Okay, he's trying to hit spots. He's working on his pitches, yeah. but he's not concerned about biting a, a one-two slider on the on the corner to get yeah. a guy out because there's a runner on third and he's already given up a run. Yeah, he's not he's not blowing up to ninety-eight <laughs> he, to do that. He doesn't give a rat's patootie. <laughs> right, right. People, and the gun was off, by the way. Sometimes people don't understand that. The gun, his first couple of fastballs on yes, said he was throwing 96. And then in the paper the next day, they were saying it was 93. Yeah, the gun was a couple miles an hour fast. Our gun. I can't bring that our gun That kind of opened up my eyes a little bit. And then I saw it was three miles here's, off. So. Here's what I saw. I saw him throw a very good bullpen, live BP, whatever you want to call it. And he it. says he's feeling yeah. okay. I saw him throw the sim game uh, out on field two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a couple of us were out there. And he, first of all, he almost decapitated Greg Bird with a fastball. <laughs> um, so his, his command was a little, a little off at the Iffy. end. At the end, he was a little off. And he bent over afterwards, and everybody's like, oh, no, whatever. And then when they asked him about it, he's like, dude, it was hot. It was, it was Thursday. It <laughs> it, was was you know, that that humid? It day? was 87 degrees with 90% humidity. Wow. I mean, I was. Was I, that your shorts day? That was my shorts day. Nice. See how so, we tie everything right. back together? So, I mean, and I'm, I'm a fat guy, too. I understand. <laughs> And I'm not out there in long pants you know, yeah. pitching. What I saw was a guy who's not clearly not the CC Sabathia he was three years ago, but he seems to have learned how to harness what he's got. You have to temper the expectation for him. He's he's got a big contract, and in in baseball, unlike any other sport, because there's such long term deals, you're getting paid off past performance. He's not going to be worth the value of his contract no. the next three years. It's just not going to be the case. But he's going to be very valuable, that said. If he can harness what he's got, he can be a very effective number three, number four starter. Mm-hmm. He needs to be a little more Andy Pettit than right. CeCe Sabathia. Exactly. And I think he's learning how to do that. His velocity in that sim game was 87 to 90, touching 92. But there was a scout standing there talking to me and Meredith and a couple other – Sweeney was there, a couple mm-hmm. other guys. And he basically said, you know – he looks healthy. He looks good. His just his velocity was the only thing that's quote unquote not there. And the past two years, that's what everybody. But that's been, been the about. case, and it's a sim game in in mid March. Right. So <clears throat> take that for what it's worth. He's not going to be the twenty game winner, three and a half ERA, stop a losing streak horse. That's right. Tanaka or Pineda's job now. Right. He's now a middle of the rotation, semi semi power lefty. Let's put it that way. But he can win. 
on this team, if they hit, he can win 14 right. games with a four-year He's end. got, you know, he built his career and got paid based on being a thrower. Yep. Now he's got to earn the back end of that contract being, being a, pitcher. a pitcher. That's what it comes down to. And you know what? I'll say this. He, uh, he admits he's wearing a brace and a sleeve on his knee. He doesn't feel it. He does, it doesn't bother him. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, like, uncomfortable. I will not be surprised if he knows that he's going to have some maintenance on his knee occasionally. Mm-hmm. It's going to be whatever. It's a degenerative condition. You just have to maintain it. I would not be surprised if he makes his last start, you know, five, six days before the All-Star break. The Yankees put him on the DL, just get some inflammation, get his knee drained, something. He misses one start around the break, and then maybe one after, and it gives him three weeks off. Kevin Garnett comes to mind. Right. You know what? Mm-hmm. If the Yankees are, you know, they stay relatively healthy and they're yep. in it in September, uh, I would think that these guys would want a healthy CC Sabathia. So I, you know what? Maybe they skip a start here and there. Right. That's what I'm. They just maintain it. Just, sort of what I'm inferring there with that that creative disabling right, right, around right. the All Star break. That's a excellent idea. Um, and. Everybody has to remember, Captain Obvious, it's his plant leg. Yep. And as a pitcher, if you can't plant, you can't pitch. So he's going to have to really take care of that knee. Mm-hmm. And the Yankees are going to have to watch him with an eagle eye because you know Sabathia. Yep. He, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine, Skip. I could still go Skip. It could be His kneecap could be falling off. That guy still yep. wants to be on the mound. 25 to 27 starts. I'll sign for because, that right now. Right because now. I'll, gi- I'll give you – they'll skip one or two, and then, you know, he'll miss, maybe miss one or two if they kind of do that, if he has to go on the DL, have his knee drained. Wouldn't you like sign for that right now? Absolutely. You know how many Yankee starters made 27 starts last year? The oldest one. <laughs> Kuroda. <laughs> Tanaka's the only other one that even uh, made 20. So God bless Hiroki Kuroda. And you know what? Good, luck, that... to, good luck to him in Japan because yeah. he, he deserves a, a good send-off here. All that, all, all that – "Quote unquote abuse that he talked about by his coach when he was younger is probably what has lengthened his career. And you know, we talked about this earlier in the in, in our podcast life together about how I, I said that if you had given him a three year forty five million dollar contract right. when he first signed, people would look at you like he's what nuts. Are you nuts. But you know, the one year deals he got, everybody it was great. It's it's all in perspective. Right. Is what the point is? So yeah, CC mid rotation guy Tanaka Pineda CC. I think is kind of how you sh- sort of line. Oh, them that's up. how it's got to be lined up. Yeah, absolutely. I-, I totally agree with that. And then um, five is still up in the air. Avaldi yeah. has looked good. Avaldi's looked okay. He threw a sim game yesterday. Apparently, he's because they're trying to get these fifth starter candidates could, time. Yeah, if they could harness so, that kid, yeah. I swear. If if if, if Rothschild can get this kid right. You know, I'm not going to say Larry is Dave Duncan because we know you know Dave Duncan and Leo Mazzoni have that golden reputation where they can turn Ooh, they can turn me. chicken you know what into chicken salad. Yeah, to to quote a Chris Sheerness. <laughs> but that's my dad. That's not me. They, they can they can do that, and Larry's very good at doing the same thing. But I I, I will admit I didn't see a lot of Ovaldi last year because I didn't watch a lot of Marlins games. There's no reason to outside of John Carlos Stanton. But his secondary stuff looks good, and he says it feels good. So. Even if he's a 200-inning guy and works on that this year, that's going to be very valuable. I heard Mazzoni. Plus, he's a very baby-faced, young kind of guy. Yeah. He's like he's like very fresh-faced and wide-eyed, so <laughs> that's good to see. I heard Mazzoni on Talking Baseball with Ed Randall this past Sunday. And I, I got to the gym and I couldn't get out of the car. That's how mm. like captivating Mazzoni is. 
And why I couldn't get out of the car was he was talking about arm strength. And this is the day I got hit in the face with the fastball, by the way. That's another story. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, But I'm sitting in the car listening to him. And this is how he talked about building up arm strength and all this nonsense, as he called it, with, you know, innings limits and pitch counts and that protects elbows. He said that's all. He wanted to use another word, but he said it's all baloney. Mm -hmm. He said, let me ask you a question, everybody in the New York area. If I told you to run seven miles in a week, would you run a mile a day or would you just wait till Sunday and run seven miles on Sunday? That's how he kind of equated you need, if you want to build up an arm, if you want to make it to the point where you can trust it, you got to have it throw. Mm -hmm. You can't have limits on it. You can't put a pitch count on it. He, he trumpeted, this is something Joe and I used to talk about that Nolan Ryan discussed. These young pitchers, their pitch count may be 60, 70 in the fifth inning, second and third, nobody out. They're down one nothing. He gets yanked. How does he learn how to pitch? How does he get out of that situation? Right. You what can't do, you do it think? until you do it. Exactly. Right. So this is everything that Mazzoni was saying, and I was just so damn captivated. I mean, this is a guy who thinks the way I think. Now, maybe I'm an old soul. I would take it one step further with that. Instead of the seven miles or one mile a day, why not run a half a mile on Monday? Then a mile, three quarters of a mile on Tuesday. Then a mile on Wednesday. Then a mile and a quarter. And build yourself up continually so that by the end you're running two and a half. But you wouldn't do seven miles in in one day. Seven miles once a week, no. I don't know. I, I, I heard that, and I thought of you, and I wanted to talk very, about it with you. I agree with you. Very valid. valid we got to get Mazzoni on this, on this podcast That'd be great. Because I, I would love to pick his brain I'll and look just talk it. to him. Um, if you can, that'd be yeah. awesome. Um, you know, I agree 100%. And, and I have to have him tell the Walter, the Walt Weiss and um, Maddox story. Because <laughs> he tells it much better than I do. Um, and I, I said I got hit in the face. Let me just say that really quick. Yeah, go for it. I'm sorry. Uh, my baseball team, uh, the Dukes. No, I'm kidding. The Dukes. <laughs> uh, the Bridgeport Brewers, we were having our first practice of the year. I got one of our pitchers. I, I pitched too. So I said, you know, come to my gym, meet me there. They're not going to charge any money. We'll go into the basketball court and we'll throw. So started a little short toss, went to long toss the entire length of the basketball court, and then he says, do you want to get down and, and catch a couple? I said, yeah, sure. Flip my hat around. I've been playing baseball for over three decades. Three decades. Not once have I missed the ball until Sunday. Now, Brian, who's a huge Yankee fan and the pitcher I was catching, his ball at the, at the very last minute, if he, his fastballs all like have movement at the end. The lighting's not that good, and I'm making excuses, but I'm telling you the absolute truth. I had my glove where the ball was going to be, and at the last second, it cut. I don't even think it nicked my glove. My chin, my lower chin down here, which had seam cuts in it until Wednesday. Neosporin is fantastic. (laughs) Just giving them a quick plug right there. But I am growing my goatee back, which is much more salt than pepper, I might add, without the just for men. 
because I cannot shave my chin because if I did, it'd just bleed all over the place. Right. I but, was wondering why you were going that back, but now it makes sense. But in over three decades, that has never happened to me. They call that late life in the biz, son. Oh Got God. some late life on that fast. Then I was supposed to go in for a crown at my dentist, and he, and he sits me down, and he asks me, what happened to you there? I said, ah, I got hit with a baseball. He goes, well, I don't want to work on you because I have to do the other side. I don't want to make this side hurt and the other side hurt. He says, all right, let me check you. So he was great about it. He checked my inner gum. He's like, if you have any bruising in here, your jaw could be fractured. I said, oh, great. So he looks, that's fine, you know, whatever, two weeks, come back, blah, blah, blah. But golly, I mean, really? Really? Hey. He just... A fastball flush on the chin. Nothing. And then I get up, and he goes, man, we should have used the mask. I said, you have the mask? Oh. <laughs> Where's the mask? <laughs> to my backpack. Well, why didn't you tell me? See, I, when, I, when I catch in softball, I feel oh. like the weirdo because I wear the mask. But because of the eye surgery I had last year, I don't want to take the chance of any, you know what I mean, anything happening. So I kind of have to. Now, now I definitely will be more diligent. So Brian Allen, uh, just throwing it out there. I'm fine, and I could talk again. You'll be, you'll be hearing from the offices of Dewey Cheatham and Howe. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, one more Yankees question before we uh, move on to your tournament rant, which I know you want to get to. Um, and that we, we can go as many Yankees as you want. I know. I know. But, I, you know, the Ellsbury thing kind of raised some red flags with mm -hmm. me. Uh, we all know that this guy could, could spend extended amounts of time on the disabled list. He hopes to be back by opening day. I don't really think that's realistic because you have to play in a couple games before you're going to be game ready. He's not just going to come off the, you know, come off the injury and go right up to the Bronx. Right. He's got to have some kind of baseball activity under his feet. And in this case, in his oblique <laughs> before he gets back well, in. Well, it's his, it's his quad ab oblique, according to yeah, the, the projection. Well, of first it was a mild, mild, it's, mild quad It's strain. that deadly quad ab oblique strain yeah. that you, I think you only get by being impaled by a fence, like My in Final Destination. Gracious, but this is the thing. Awful movie, along with all Fast of, and Furious. All of them, yes. 17. Um, but anyway, that to me already, I, I already started thinking about what I nicknamed Girardi last year, and that was Job Girardi. Job. All, you know, the patience this man has had to endure the past two seasons with all the injuries. I mean, now look, he, I, I'm not crying for him. He gets paid handsomely to do what he does. But at the same time, he's had to go through a lot with this team. A lot. And to have your potential leadoff guy already in some kind of injury peril, I don't know. You don't want the dominoes to start falling. Well, after the capper went down, LZ uh, went down. Uh, the rapper and Musty are still to be determined. Just having a little fun with Joe G. Nicknames there. Here, here's the thing about Ellsbury. Uh, all right, so the, the manager didn't quite know what the heck was wrong with the start, which is a little iffy. I'll say. But Ellsbury heard his, what was his calf last year, sprained his calf a little bit in spring yes. training, missed the rest of the spring, turned out fine, had a heck of an April. Yeah. Could do the same thing this year, although an oblique is a little more tricky than a calf because... Got to swing that bat. You know, you got to swing the bat every time, whereas a calf, you can kind of rest. You don't have to bust it out in center field, especially mm -hmm. with a guardy standing to mm -hmm. your right. Um, out there, your right. Uh, My your, left. Your left, his right, yes. as you look at it on the television, mm -hmm. as you say. Um, 
the problem is, yeah, it's going to take a little bit longer than that, I think. I don't know if he'll be ready, but then you can't necessarily put him on the DL if he's close. So Chris Young playing center field the last couple days seems to intimate that they're not worried about it, but that also seems to intimate that, well, maybe we need to have a backup in case Ellsbury is hurt and Gardner needs a day off who plays center field because it was always me, Ichiro, the last couple years. Right. He's in um, Miami, so that's not happening. I, I'm, I hate to say this, but I'm rooting for somebody to not be ready so Perella gets a spot on the team because all the guy does is everything right. He's this year's Solarte. I mean, he, that's all you see on all, Twitter. All he does is everything right. I mean, he, dro- all right, he dropped the ball in center field yesterday that cost three runs. Um, you know, it, it cost the run that scored, the, the next run that scored, two runs. Spring training. But, um, you know, so maybe he's not a center fielder, but... Mm-hmm. The guy plays five positions, six in a pinch, seven realistically because he could play first base too. Um, you know, he's hitting like 340 this spring. He's, so he's got basically a lot of what the Yankees hits. wanted Eduardo Nunez yeah. to be. Speed, defense. I mean, the guy's doing it all. And Brendan Ryan is going to make the team because he's under contract. And, you know, no offense to Brendan Ryan. Brendan Ryan's a great guy, and he's a great defensive player. I'd rather watch Jose Perella hit blindfolded than Brendan Ryan hit with two eyes <laughs> because you might get about the same out of him. I mean, Brendan uh-huh. Ryan's not a hitter. He's just not. He's a defensive replacement at this point. Uh-huh. Like I said, cool guy, like awesome dude, fun to talk to. He's a defensive replacement at this point. You know, so there's a lot of people who are like, you know, on the Perella bandwagon, and it's no surprise given what he's done, but, you know, he's going to start, it looks like he's going to start in AAA, and that's kind of unfortunate for him, but. If Ellsbury's not ready to go, or Ryan's playing today in his first spring game, he had a mid-back strain lifting weights. It cost him four weeks. So don't necessarily think an oblique is going to take two, and Ellsbury's going to be ready. Right, right. That's the other thing. you you got to nurse those things. Well, I, three I, for opening day. Well, I did some research, too. I looked up some you know, former players who had obliques, and it's not a two- to three-week injury. Can, plus, be, can you, be six to eight. Yeah, plus you could come back. Swing about once, do it again, and be out again. Yep. So that's why I'm a little. There's guys in baseball history that have strained an oblique sneezing. Right. So you or I could do it. Right. It's um. So it'll be interesting to watch to see if he's he apparently felt it Sunday morning, felt it a little bit after legging out a triple in the game Sunday. Didn't feel better Monday morning when he woke up. So he said something Tuesday, and that's when the Yankees did all the precautionary. So he. According to what I've been reading from the guys who were down there now, he says he feels better already after a few days off, but we'll see. Yeah, and what if you injected him with sodium pentothal? What's he saying? Yeah, I you mean, know, if he comes back know. if he comes back on Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, does a week worth of light activity, plays in maybe the last two games and is good to go, that's that's plausible, I suppose. But we'll see. All right, let's let's get your rant on the right. uh, on the March Madness because I have to do my case stuff at uh, in a couple of minutes. And uh, just before I uh, I let you do this really quick, so it's on record somewhere: Kentucky, Duke, Virginia, Arizona. Go ahead. Uh, I have Kentucky and Villanova in the finals in most of my brackets. Uh, Wisconsin or Arizona in that. Bracket kind of interchangeable, and the same thing with Duke and Gonzaga. And I have Kentucky, Virginia, and Kentucky. Yep. I have Kentucky, Villanova, Kentucky, in most of mine. Um, I am angry at the NCAA selection committee. Preach. I am angry at Scott Doofusface. Oh, I don't boy. know what his last name is, but I'm going to call him Doofusface. I have a feeling this has something to do with Temple. I, oh, yeah. 
who flat out said Wyoming winning the Mountain West tournament kept Temple out of the tournament. So eat a blank, Wyoming. I think I said that on Facebook. And eat a blank committee. I don't want to get fired. Um, I don't want to get fired. Job market sucks. Uh, Somebody wrote this, and I I didn't print out the author's name, and I apologize, but it was on Rant Sports about Temple, and it says everything. Had we decided to go into March Madness Mania, I've got the resumes of the first four in, you know, the first four, Mm -hmm. as well as Temple, Colorado State, and UCLA. UCLA, Everybody's like, UCLA, what the hell are they doing in the tournament? Well, they, they won yesterday, so you know what? Can't really say it. This is what this guy wrote. The proof that college basketball has become as corrupt as college football was right in the NCAA selection room on Sunday night. By all NCAA criteria, Temple's resume was superior to that of both UCLA and Indiana in every respect except the one that should not have mattered at all. Its athletic program is not a member of the Power Five, which has taken over the NCAA and remade it into its own playpen. I would amend that with the Big East also in basketball because they are kind of a Power Five and a half. The NCAA's number one criteria is RPI, and Temple's RPI of 34 was better than Georgia, Ohio State, Texas, Iowa, UCLA, and Oklahoma State. Just want to say three of which won yesterday. Mm -hmm. So take that with a grain of salt. Along with six other teams in the tournament. Another factor the NCAA says weighs heavily is how the team plays down the stretch, and Temple won 10 of its final 12, a superior run to most of the schools in the 68-team field, let alone the Power Five. Temple has a 25-point win over a number two seed, Kansas, in Philly, and none of the other bubble teams had a win like that on their resume. Only Kentucky has beaten Kansas by a bigger margin. Who's beaten Kentucky? Uh, No one. Uh, That'd be zeros. UCLA getting in over Temple was particularly galling. Temple's record was 23 and 10, UCLA 20 and 13. Temple's RPI was 34, UCLA is 47. Temple's record against the RPI top 100 was 8 and 8, while UCLA was 5 and 10. Temple's best win against the RPI top 100 was number two Kansas, while UCLA's was number 20 Utah. Temple's conference record was also two games better than UCLA's. Many bracketologists dismissed Steve Alford's team from the field altogether, but they comfortably made the field of 68 while also avoiding a first four game. Most of those same bracketologists had Temple comfortably in the field. Those experts assumed that the selection committee would follow its own guidelines, but failed to consider the fact that the Power Five gets what it wants. That's the reason why Sunday was a sad day not only for fans of Temple, but for all fair-minded sports fans. You go, boy. Preach. Because Temple, Temple lost 10 games. Five of them were to teams in the RPI top 12. They lost to Duke uh, at where the new, I think it was the Wells Fargo Center. Mm-hmm. They lost at Nova, who's a number one seed, by the way. Right. I don't know if you knew that. I did. Uh, and they lost three times to SMU, who, yes, lost to UCLA yesterday. But, you know, that's... On a phantom goaltending, by the on way. On a phantom goaltending. I was listening on the radio. I was driving home. Uh, SMU is number 12 in the R- RPI. Don't you think that's a little... Iffy? Sketchy? Yeah. Sketchy. Like the committee said, hey, anything you can do. Just as an aside, if you remember watching the show... Dino- anything you can do to get UCLA to the next round. The, uh, the show Dinosaurs from back in the day? Yeah. Smoo was the dinosaur's word for chicken you-know-what. Uh-huh. So that's, I think it's funny. Yeah. I think Smoo was that, too. Yeah. Um, and it's tough to beat a team three times in the season, but they beat them both times and then beat them in the, in the AAC semis mm-hmm. in a game Temple led at the half mm-hmm. that I watched on the plane on the way home. Uh, UCLA lost. <laughs> you say they lost to Kentucky. They lost to Arizona because that's a conference game. They lost to Gonzaga. Three pretty good losses. Uh-huh. They, also, they also lost to Oregon State, Colorado, and Arizona State. 
Two of them back to back. Whereas Temple's only bad loss was at St. Joe's, who's a Big Five rival. They lost by two right. on the last second. Bucket. You're, you're going to have games like that in the Big Five. There is not a damn thing on on their resume, looking at anything, that says UCLA is a more worthy team. I'm not going to say better, more worthy team to be in the tournament. The team that finished third in, in an American Athletic Conference that had a number six seed. I forget where Tulsa is, but they didn't get much respect either. Cincinnati was an eight or a nine. I forget mm-hmm. which one. And that's it. That's all they got. Cincinnati was a Tulsa nine. didn't get any respect. They they got into the NIT. Yeah. And you see, you know, the 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 Big Twelve, meanwhile, has everybody all over crowding around their their areas, if you know what I mean. And stunk yesterday. Yeah. Stunk it up. Yeah. Phil Hughes farted <laughs> on the Big Twelve yesterday. And it stayed on their And uniforms. it stayed on their uniform. <laughs> so you know what? There's teams that Ole Miss came back. They were in the, the first four. They came back from 17 down at halftime of that first four game to win. Mm-hmm. And then they got clobbered by Xavier yesterday. UCLA did okay. You know, Boise State and uh, BYU didn't make it in. We'll see how Dayton does. But I had, a, I had an idea. You have a valid point. I had an idea. Yeah, hit me. Before you go. What if the NCAA expanded the tournament to 72 teams? Or 76. I forget. 72. 76. Uh-huh. You add eight teams. Instead of having the North Floridas and Robert Morrises of the world play a play-in game, and you can give me all the baloney you want about it's their only chance to win an NCAA because uh-huh. they're 126-0 and uh-huh. number one seeds. Uh-huh. Whatever. They made the tournament. They shouldn't have to play another game to get into the actual tournament. That's, right. that's bogus. Uh-huh. And I hate that they call the first four the first round. Somebody called yesterday the second yeah. round, and I wanted to throw up. It's yeah. not this. It's the first round. Call it the opening round. No, yeah, Thursday. Call it the you weren't good enough to actually be in Thurs- the field round. Right, but Thursday is the first round. Mm-hmm. That's the first round. Not that. If you want to be technical about it, it'd be the third round because you have games on Tuesday and Wednesday the, that are all yeah, stupid. Whatever the NCAA is moving on. Why not expand the field eight teams? Right, instead of those teams like North Florida and Robert Morris and. Centenary and Southwest Turnpike <laughs> yeah. Tech, yeah. and and whoever won the the Greater North Dakota Montana <laughs> right. Athletic Conference, gotcha, Roger that. Have to have to go in. Why not take sixteen teams that are the bubble and have them play in a mini tournament? You can have it in Dayton. You can have the other games in Springfield, Mass, because that's where the Basketball Hall of Fame is, and we can tie it all in the all the hoopla and make money, and the NCAA can all stroke uh-huh, themselves uh-huh. And, and go wild. <laughs> And the the eight teams that win those games are uh-huh. the eleven and twelve seeds in in all four regions. So the, the the top forty teams make it as the one through ten seeds. The scrubby conference winners get the thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, like they always do. You know, the Harvards will be the higher seeds, and the right. the Turnpike Techs will be the sixteens. Right. And you let <clears throat> you know BYU, Ole Miss, Dayton, Boise State, Temple, Colorado State, UCLA, uh, those teams. 16 teams play eight games. The eight winners are the 11 and 12 seeds in the tournament. You get more teams in the tournament. You get four more games that you can televise on True TV, which will be four more times anyone actually knows where that is on their cable dial. It's in the 50s on mine. 58, yeah. Yeah, found that out yesterday. Couldn't tell you. Right after Animal. Haven't watched that channel since the OJ trial when it was court TV. But now I watch it for the tournament like once a year. You'd have four more games to televise. You'd have four more chances to make revenue. You'd They're had... pumping in their promos, though. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have four more chances to do everything with eight more teams. And 
you would still have the, well, this team's number 77, but you get to a point where eventually it's like, okay, you know, maybe even make it, how about you do this, right? You want to you be fair to conferences? Team with, the conference with the best RPI <clears throat> gets seven bids. Conference with the second best RPI, six bids. Five bids for the third best, four bids for the fourth best, three bids for five through eight, two for nine through 16 on down. Shockingly, that works out to 68 if you do the math. Hmm. And then your bubble teams, your first four, can be the last team on every line. That's your, you know, the, la- on the last team on every line that gets multiple bids. You can choose the, the first four from there. So the seventh team from the, I think the Big Ten had the best RPI. The seventh team from the Big Ten, the sixth team from the SEC, the fifth team from the Big 12, whatever. That's your bubble contingent. Lou, Could be interesting. Lou for president. Could be interesting. Lou for president. I don't know if it would still get Temple in the tournament, but you know what? I know. We'll I, just win the damn NIT, it, and you can you suck go. it. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> team went nine and twenty-two last year. They went twenty-three and ten this yeah. year. I'll take it. Go Owls. Root for the Owls in the NIT. Twenty-four and ten. They beat the mighty Bucknell University, whatever their mascot the is, on Monday night. Bucknell yeah, Bison. Great. Good for them. All right. <laughs> Lou's not upset at all. No. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next week, uh, uh, inching closer and closer to opening day, spring training, and uh, we will have a sweet 16 uh, weekend ahead of us next mm-hmm. week. So uh, for Lou DePietro, I'm Chris Sheeran. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week here on The Chris Sheeran Show, everybody.